Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of osteoarthritis, found under the orthopedic section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 60-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician with pain in her hands and knees. She reports having this pain intermittently for at least 8 months and describes it being worse in the evening. On physical exam, there is bone deformity noted on the distal and proximal interphalangeal joints, swelling of the right knee, and tenderness upon palpation of the affected joints. This is a case of osteoarthritis. Let's move on with the brief introduction. Clinically, it is defined as a degenerative disorder affecting the articular cartilage. In terms of epidemiology, it is the most common articular disease, and it is more common in women and the elderly. For risk factors, there are modifiable risk factors such as obesity, trauma, and repetitive use such as heavy labor, and non-modifiable risk factors such as age, female gender, and family history. In terms of pathogenesis, it is not completely understood, but it is more complex than wear and tear of the joint, and inflammation appears to be involved. Specifically, chondrocytes attempt to proliferate and synthesize proteoglycans when there is injury to the joint. However, degradation exceeds synthesis, thus compromising the extracellular matrix. The inflammatory processes appear to promote proteolytic articular degeneration mediated by the chondrocytes such as transforming growth factor beta, or TGF-beta, inducing chondrocytes to secrete matrix metalloproteinases to degrade type 2 collagen. Eventually, portions of the articular cartilage and subchondral bone are sloughed off into the joint space, also referred to as the synovial space, which results in the formation of loose bodies, which are sometimes referred to as joint mice. Then, subchondral bone becomes exposed and rubs on the adjacent bone, resulting in bone eburnation which has the appearance of polished ivory. Osteophytes, or bony outgrowths, also develop due to bone remodeling. These can be appreciated in the distal interphalangeal joint as Haberdin nodes, or in the proximal interphalangeal joint as Bouchard nodes. And finally, late-stage osteoarthritis is characterized by loss of chondrocytes and degraded extracellular matrix. The prognosis is favorable with joint replacement. Let's discuss the biology and anatomy a bit more deeply. Remember that articular cartilage greatly decreases friction with movement and resists tension and compressive forces. It is composed of type 2 collagen and proteoglycans, which are synthesized and secreted by chondrocytes. And these chondrocytes maintain cartilage with their anabolic and catabolic activities. Moving on to the presentation, remember that patient's main symptoms is typically going to be pain, which is worse with use and improves with rest, and it commonly involves the hands, hips, and knees. In terms of the physical exam, you'll typically see joint tenderness, decreased range of motion, and bony swelling. The swelling that is seen in the distal interphalangeal joints is known as Herberdin nodes, and the swelling of the proximal interphalangeal joints is known as Bouchard nodes. With regards to imaging, radiography is typically indicated to confirm the diagnosis and determine disease progression and severity. Specific findings include joint space narrowing, osteophytes, joint mice, and subchondral sclerosis. Other studies that may be performed include labs, which will demonstrate C-reactive protein and erythrocyte sedimentation rate that are typically normal. And in terms of diagnostic criteria, remember that osteoarthritis is typically a clinical diagnosis. In terms of a differential, remember to think about rheumatoid arthritis, arthralgia, bursitis, 
and tendonitis. In terms of treatment, there are several different options. Conservative treatment includes exercise and weight loss, which is indicated as the first line in the management of osteoarthritis. Medical treatment options include topical or oral non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs, which are indicated for the symptomatic management of osteoarthritis in patients who do not adequately respond to conservative treatment. Remember that adverse effects may include gastrointestinal side effects, such as ulcer formation. And operative treatment options include orthopedic surgery, which are indicated in patients with advanced pain who are unresponsive to conservative and pharmacologic therapy. And remember that complications of osteoarthritis may include pain, bone deformity, and functional impairment. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to osteoarthritis, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 55-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for knee pain. The patient has had left knee pain, which has been steadily worsening for the past year. He states that ice and rest has led to minor improvement in his symptoms. He recently bumped his knee. However, he says that it has not altered his baseline pain when ambulating. The patient is a butcher and lives with his wife. His current medications include insulin, metformin, hydrochlorothiazide, and lisinopril. He is attending Alcoholics Anonymous with little success. Physical exam reveals a left knee that is mildly erythematous with some bruising. There is no pain upon palpation of the joint or with passive range of motion. The patient exhibits a mildly antalgic gait. Which of the following is the best initial step in management? And the answer choices are choice 1, aspirin, choice 2, colchicine, choice 3, MRI, choice 4, rest for 1 to 2 weeks, or choice 5, weight loss. The best answer to this question is choice 5, weight loss. This patient presents with unilateral joint pain that is chronic and slowly worsening with a mildly antalgic gait, suggesting a diagnosis of osteoarthritis. The best initial step in management is weight loss. Osteoarthritis typically occurs secondary to overuse of a joint and muscular imbalance in a patient who is obese. The pain typically occurs in a cold, that is, a non-erythematous and non-edematous joint with a chronic picture of slowly worsening joint pain. Radiography is an appropriate initial diagnostic test and will show a narrowing of the joint space, reflecting a loss of cartilage. The best initial step in management is weight loss and NSAIDs. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Aspirin is not an ideal NSAID for osteoarthritis. Ibuprofen would be preferred, although weight loss would be a better initial step. Choice 2. Colchicine could be an appropriate initial step in management for gout, which would present with severe sudden pain, typically of the great toe, or of a joint with severe pain elicited with passive motion of the joint. Choice 3. MRI could further elucidate the diagnosis. However, radiography would be a better initial step, and the clear picture of osteoarthritis warrants intervention rather than further confirmation of the diagnosis. Choice 4. Rest for 1-2 to two weeks may improve symptoms, but will not treat the underlying cause of overuse and obesity. And finally, a bullet summary. The best initial step in management for osteoarthritis is weight loss and NSAIDs. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. 
A 55-year-old woman comes to the clinic complaining of joint pain and stiffness for the past year. The pain is mainly concentrated in her hands and is usually worse towards the late afternoon. It is described with a burning quality that surrounds the joint with some numbness and tingling. The stiffness is especially worse in the morning and lasts approximately for 15 to 20 minutes. Her past medical history is significant for recurrent gastric ulcers. She reports that her mother struggled with lupus and is concerned that she might have the same thing. She denies fever, rashes, ulcers, genitourinary symptoms, weight loss, or bowel changes. Physical examination is significant for mild tenderness at the distal interphalangeal joints bilaterally. What is the best initial medication to prescribe to this patient? And the answer choices are choice one, acetaminophen, choice two, aspirin, choice three, hydroxychloroquine, choice four, infliximab, or choice five, methotrexate. The best answer to this question is choice one, acetaminophen. This patient's bilateral joint stiffness and pain that involves the distal interphalangeal joints, or DIP joints, are characteristic of osteoarthritis. The best initial pharmacotherapy is acetaminophen and NSAIDs. However, given this patient's past medical history, acetaminophen is the best option. Osteoarthritis is a degenerative joint disorder involving mechanical wear and tear of the joints that eventually leads to articular cartilage destruction. Patients often present with asymmetrical pain in weight-bearing joints that improves with rest and worsens with use, such as at the end of the day. Osteoarthritis commonly affects the knees, hips, interphalangeal joints, first carpometacarpal joints, and facet joints of the lower cervical and lumbar spine. When osteoarthritis affects the hands, symptoms are usually bilateral and symmetric with complaints of aching or stiffness in the morning that do not exceed more than 30 minutes. Management includes non-pharmacological therapy, such as exercise and weight loss, pharmacological therapy, such as NSAIDs, acetaminophen, and other second-line treatments, and surgery. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. Aspirin is not as appropriate as acetaminophen in this patient, as her past medical history reveals gastric ulcers. Choice 3. Hydroxychloroquine is one of the pharmacologic therapies for systemic lupus erythematosus, or SLE. Although this patient reports a positive family history, her review of systems is negative for other symptoms of SLE, such as rash, ulcers, fever, or weight loss. Choice 4. Methotrexate is one of the pharmacologic therapies for rheumatoid arthritis, or RA, which is a differential for any patients complaining of joint pain. Although this patient's presentation such as symmetric joint pain and stiffness involving the hands that are worse in the morning, is like that of RA, it can be differentiated via the duration of stiffness, which is less than 30 minutes in this patient, and joint involvement, which includes the DIP in this patient. Choice 5. Infliximab is a TNF-alpha inhibitor that can be used for the treatment of RA. This patient's signs and symptoms are more in line with OA. And finally, a bullet summary. The best initial pharmacologic treatment for osteoarthritis is NSAIDs or acetaminophen. For the third question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 69-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for pain when he walks. He states that the pain is worse in his left great toe, but is also present in his hips and knees. He says that his symptoms are worse with activity and tend to improve with rest. 
His symptoms have progressively worsened over the past several years. He has a past medical history of obesity, type 2 diabetes mellitus, smoking, and hypertension. He drinks roughly 10 beers per day. His current medications include metformin, insulin, lisinopril, and hydrochlorothiazide. The patient has a recent travel history to Bangkok where he admits to having unprotected sex. On physical exam, examination of the lower extremity results in pain. There is crepitus of the patient's hip when the thigh is flexed and extended. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are choice 1, osteoarthritis, choice 2, rheumatoid arthritis, choice 3, infectious arthritis, choice 4, gout, or choice 5, pseudogout. The best answer to this question is choice 1, osteoarthritis. This patient is presenting with chronic pain in his joints that is worsened with activity and relieved by rest suggesting a diagnosis of osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis occurs secondary to degeneration of the cartilage in the joint. Common locations for it to occur include, but are not limited to, the hip, knee, and great toe. Risk factors include trauma, overuse, increasing age, and obesity. Patients will typically complain of pain in the joint that is exacerbated by activity and relieved by rest. There is often pain and crepitus in the affected joint. Treatment involves weight loss, physical activity as tolerated, and NSAIDs as needed. Ultimately, these patients may need surgery to manage their symptoms. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. Rheumatoid arthritis presents with symmetric pain and stiffness in the joints that is worse in the morning and improves with activity. It typically occurs in female patients and can be associated with systemic symptoms. Anti-CCP is a specific test for making this diagnosis. Choice 3. Infectious arthritis is possible given this patient's history of unprotected sex. However, infectious arthritis tends to present with a hot, inflamed, and erythematous joint. The insidious onset of this patient's symptoms and the association with activity point more towards a diagnosis of osteoarthritis. Choice 4. Gout typically presents with severe pain and inflammation in the great toe. Though this patient is experiencing symptoms in his great toe, his symptoms are not described as sudden or episodic, but rather are insidious. Of note, this patient has risk factors for gout such as obesity, alcohol consumption, and thiazide diuretic use. Choice 5. Pseudogout typically causes symptoms that are more insidious than gout and tend to affect the wrist, ankle, and knee. This patient's symptoms have worsened over years and are associated with pain with activity and crepitus, suggesting a diagnosis of osteoarthritis. And finally, a bullet summary. Osteoarthritis presents with pain in weight-bearing joints that is typically worse with activity and relieved by rest. That's all for this review about osteoarthritis. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, We'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. 
Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.